before all of that, we get a chance to visit with Fargo Police Chief Dave Zabolski. Uh, Chief Zabolski, good to have you back on News and Views. Great to be here, Joel. More and more news coming out about uh, the the shooter. I don't <clears throat> like using his name, uh, and I don't know that he did it for fame. Uh, that isn't my point. But when I when I say the the shooter's name, I don't like myself immediately following. So I'm not going to do that. It'll probably slip out, so forgive me when it does, but there, there's a man, a very evil man that since is gone because one of your officers took him out that took the life of one of your officers, shot two others, shot a bystander that was in a rear-end accident. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, more and more information is coming out about that individual, so certain things that to me were red flags. And... Uh, I wanted to get you in to talk about that because sure. some of that involved a conversation we had with Jesse Johnner, uh, sheriff of Cass County, uh, yesterday, and some is still coming out, going back to as far as 2016 when weapons were, were turned in. I didn't know that. I didn't know that yet until yesterday. And so as I, I guess the best way to to ask you is – as more and more of this information comes out, number one, did you and your staff know ahead of time? About? About that he's blowing up, uh, you know, LP tanks out oh, in the range. No, we did not know that. Okay, because that's a – I mean, I don't get how you – that doesn't send up some level of a red flag. Well, I think looking back, there's a lot of things that people would describe as red flags. The problem is none of them are illegal. Um, even – I know I used – Tannerite explosives at the right. range. You can go online and buy Tannerite, and people use it for a number of reasons, and in fact, for target shooting. So um, I think as you pick this apart, there's a lot of really odd things that this individual was involved in. Uh, but at each turn, if there isn't a violation of the law, you know, there's, you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing that could have been done to prevent this individual from doing what he did. You know, the big question that lingers that we might never have the full answers is why and what was the motive? I mean, I think we understand maybe what one of the motivations was, but why did he decide to stop at this accident scene and do that act first? Was he was he think, looking at it going, oh, this is an easy easy win for me, and then I'm going to go on and do something larger? Or was he devious enough to think that maybe this will be a diversion to help me do what I want to do in, in a larger sense? So, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to know those answers uh, as, as far as I can see from any of the investigative findings. Uh, looking back at his history, he's got, you know, there's a number of odd things that you described, the, the gun range thing, but he's not the only person to have done that, and, and that's not illegal. And from the sheriff's perspective, in, in terms of handling the range, I don't know if it's a violation of the range, if they would exclude him, but again, those are decisions made by other entities. As you pointed out, it, you know, that's not a violation of the law. I mean, there, there's nothing. It, I had messages yesterday when I said, why isn't there a process? of when you're using Tamarite to, to go and and get it to be able to use it so that people understand because what we're talking about is taking an LP tank and turning it into a grenade, mm-hmm. only a way, way bigger grenade. Fair? Mm-hmm. Well, fair. And um, it just uh, I actually was the bomb squad commander in Milwaukee for a number of years. So, okay. I mean, it's not just Tannerite. And I, I'm not going to go into specifics, but there's a lot of things that are legally people can purchase. And if they want to use them for illegal means, they can they can putting them into those components. So, you know, Tannerite's one of many things that, that could have been in that particular propane tank. And at that juncture, that's an illegal, uh, you know, explosive item, right? But until that's actually done, um, it's not illegal. You can have a propane tank. You can have gunpowder. People load load shells, right? And houses are full of 
that's you know gunpowder is explosive in the in the right container uh, and so um, again I, I I hear what you're saying but you know the police we just can't follow every we run into people like this all the time and some of these are just lawful people without issues, people that would never harm another person. And there's folks that have other issues that um, maybe shouldn't be in possession of certain items, but there's nothing to legally prohibit them from doing that. Well, there's a couple things there that need to be talked about, though. Uh, The first being the fact that you see things like this all the time. Mm -hmm. What does that do to a force like the one that you manage, uh, like the one that you oversee? When, When they know that's there, and in their mind, it's like, wow, that something smells here. I mean, how do you deal with that? Well, I, that's just a part of our day-to-day operations. I mean, we, we see a lot of things that we go wow about. Um, but again, we have to make sure that we aren't, if it's not legal action to take, that's information we might know, but we can't take action on that information. And he Maybe, can't sit outside his driveway. No, and we can't, we are prohibited by law from you know, surveilling or investigating people without a, a criminal or legal nexus. We just can't do that. That's very clear in the law. Um, and so, I mean, while we might internally have that information, it's just information. And until there's an actual criminal act, um, it's not until that time that we can do anything about it. So I didn't know about, as, as this information was going forward, I didn't know about the fact that that he had actually turned weapons in in 2016. Speak to that if you would. As uh, part of the investigative findings, uh, BCI determined and was able to find out that he had, in fact, turned in uh, almost like a not a gun buyback because he didn't get any money, but he voluntarily took weapons into, I believe it was West Fargo and maybe even the sheriff's office on one or two uh, separate dates. Not certain about that, but I know that he did that. Um, and he, but he also purchased new weapons and um, you know had had weapons. And so again, I, it goes really towards his kind of just bizarre behavior. Yeah. Uh, does, how do you police that though? Okay. I want to, I want to back up a second. Sure. You, you said there's a lot of things you see that are well, okay. So you, you, you get word from a neighbor mm-hmm. that that's nervous. She's nervous. And she said, there's a problem here. Uh, you go up, you check it out. You get into the apartment. You, you see that there's, there's all types of things that would then make you go. Wow. Okay, do you contact anyone else? Do you contact anyone on a federal level? Do you uh, do you contact other law enforcement in the area to say, look, you know, here here's someone that we we have some suspicion of. Do you? I mean, how how do you police it other than leave saying, well, it's all legal? You can't police it, um, and that's that's basically what it comes down. If it's legal, it's legal. If there is any criminal nexus or any reasonable suspicion of criminal activity then we could pursue it and if we felt appropriate could involve our federal partners and we've got a very good network here in uh, in Fargo and Cass County with uh, our intelligence and analysis unit we do regional intelligence meetings with state federal and local partners uh, on, a, on a regular basis uh, but by law there has to be some kind of reasonable suspicion that a crime is occurring and if it's lawful conduct we're actually prohibited from taking action or doing other things on that now, uh, a landlord, perhaps if they had a concern, could take action to evict a person. But again, that if they're doing a lawful act, I don't know how that, that's a civil matter on their part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Um, so until it really raises to a level, and I think actually, um, if you go to his apartment fire in 22, he was, 
I believe, evicted from that apartment as a result of the fire. And uh, one of the the things that I think people pondered in the investigation, uh, because one of his claims during that was that the fire department used too much water and uh, damaged the apartment, and he's the one that had to pay for it. And so he may have had some um, harsh feelings about that. It's just amazing to me. A uh, couple more questions for you. I know you've got to get to another meeting, but stick around. Fargo Police Chief Dave Zabolski is our guest. We're talking to him about uh, the, the tragic shooting that took place uh, this summer here in Fargo uh, that took the life of one police officer, wounded two others, uh, and, and wounded a, a citizen and, and changed the life of another uh, as he had to, to defuse the whole situation and take the murderer out. Um, Chief, I want to talk about the two officers that uh, Officer Dotis and Haas, how are they? Well, uh, considering everything that's happened, I would say remarkably well. Uh, <clears throat> for those that you know got to see the uh, the award ceremony on the twentieth, um, seeing Andrew uh, Andrew Dotis's improvement just in his physical stature, and he's, Andrew is a he's a positive guy no matter what's happening, and uh, that I think that carries a lot of weight in recovery. Uh, but you could visibly see that he was he has been improving. Tyler, same thing. Tyler is improving uh, a lot. Uh, but that doesn't mean they still have significant surgeries and recovery and recuperation to do before they get back to full duty, which both of them steadfastly want to do. And That's their goal. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. And we're excited to get them back. But they gotta they got to get go through those processes. And um, that's that's pretty traumatic and cumbersome in itself. But they're, they're doing well. They're not going to want to speak to this. And maybe you'll tell me it's none of my business. But there's so much that be other than the physical damage. I mean, how are they doing? Well, they've got great support systems. Uh, their spouses, their families, uh, we've been supporting them as much as we can at the police department as well. I think, I think that's important. Um, and, you know, we've got mental health component in our wellness, and they are taking, you know, everyone takes advantage of that. Um, you know, I can't answer for them individually, but I think in talking with them and seeing their demeanor and the progress that they're making. I think they are working through it. It's a, it's a process. I, I want to make sure you say this because yesterday I, I got into a debate with a, and I think it was very cordial and professional with an individual who believes that this is an issue about illegal immigration, about people crossing the border. And I said, this had nothing to do with that, that this individual was a citizen. This individual was here, had gone through the process. I want you to speak to that mm -hmm. if you could, because sure. I think that, that the public is confusing two things here. Yeah, uh, he entered the country and uh, was given uh, some type of temporary legal standing, I think, don't hold me to this, 2016, 2017, maybe even sooner. Um, but he became a U.S. citizen in 2019. So he went through the, the citizen process and uh, was a U.S. citizen at the time this happened. So he uh, was not an illegal immigrant. There's no connection to any illegal immigration, which... Certainly is an issue, but it, it really has no bearing in this situation. There. I mean, th that's the point, is is this wasn't about sneaking across the border. This wasn't about coming to create terror. Nope. This wasn't about uh, working with organized crime. This was about an individual who came here, made the argument that he was trying to make a new life for himself, went through the process, mm -hmm. and then ended up being a murderer. Right. I mean, I don't know. It, so now I've got to ask you the, the one that I'm, I'm very, very curious about. I, it isn't your job to create policy uh, as far as the state goes. The, those laws are done by the legislature. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, if I were to introduce a piece of legislation uh, 
that that sent a signal, sent a message on on some of these things, I would want you there to testify what effect it might have on your your force, the men and women that that serve under you. Is law enforcement going to do that, whether they risk their popularity at all? Well, I don't want to answer for everyone, but I certainly would support that legislation. I mean, in this situation, a binary trigger is really nothing more than a fully automatic weapon. We could debate that all day, but it really is an automatic weapon. In fact, if you go back it's and watch— It's not much of a debate. Nope. Zach, Zach's first transmission is one of his first. Is I'm, the guy's got an automatic weapon because that's exactly what it sounds like. It, when you pull the trigger, it fires. When you release the trigger, it fires. So you can debate that all you want, but it's a fully automatic weapon, and you can see the effect of that. So to me, automatic weapons are already illegal. Um, you know, and it, My opinion is that I don't see any need for— a, buy, a way around that, in a sense, you know, it's kind of like the bump stop uh, stock situation as mm-hmm. well. And I know the ATF is working on changing their rules to uh, make some of those things illegal. Uh, and that may not be popular in the state, but uh, if you're asking me my personal opinion, I would support that. I think the attorney general has spoke out against the binary trigger. and But it's really up to the legislative body if that's an issue that they want to uh, address. Uh, is there any organization any fraternal organization of police officers is there any probably the better group to do this is there any group of retirees that are advocating for the new people that are in the line of fire uh not that i'm aware of but certainly they could you know there's a fraternal order of police um you know and anyone as an individual or a group could certainly do that and contact their legislature legislator rather um yeah see i think you guys are in a box I, I think that somebody's going to tell you, look, you, you know, we make the laws, we make the policy. It's your job to enforce them. You're going over the line. You're not a legislator. It It's like the old argument of, you know, law enforcement coming and saying, look, a $5 speeding ticket's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know, this doesn't work. It's not deterring. I, You know, and people would take after you guys for that. Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, we have to work with our legislative body at the state and local level to get things accomplished. Um, and so, um, you know, this issue, I think, I think the attorney general is uh, the perfect person to, f- to forward that legislative issue. But I think that you would find support in law enforcement, um, maybe not across the board, because I think there's a lot of different opinions uh, across our state in regards to weapons. But I think if you look at this incident, it's hard to argue that it's not a fully automatic weapon. And what's the purpose? Why do you need that? You know. The other thing is, if I was living in that apartment building where he's living, I'd want to know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about privacy and the legality of him owning all that, but mm-hmm. I'd want to know that I'm sitting right next to an armory. I, I would. Yeah. I, I don't know well, that you can do that. I don't know no. that it's, you know, I mean, the reality is I own guns. Do I go to my neighbors and say I own guns? I know my neighbors own guns, so I get it. I understand it. But, man, this this is, this is way past the edge, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a lot of ways people can legally possess weapons, and, you know, it's— it's again the individual. This this individual <clears throat> decided he was going to commit this really heinous yep. and evil act, and so at some juncture, you know that's pretty hard to get in front of. Chief, thanks for your time. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it.